looking at me. <laughs> He's having such a hard time over here. He's like, uh, okay. okay, let's get okay, serious. Okay. Yeah, yeah, okay. Let's get serious. Kim Buck White. All my lovely creative friends, thank you for joining me again for the Sage Arts Podcast. I'm Sage, your host, and I am here today with my favorite guest co-host, Brett Varen. Oh, stop. (laughs) You are my favorite. Well, thank you. You're my favorite, too. You're my favorite host. Uh, Right. Well, you're my only host, actually, but (laughs) I don't don't do podcasts too often, so... (laughs) But in case, Brett and I are in the podcasting room together this time, which we weren't last time because we kept having technical difficulties so we're gonna try hopefully we've got them cleared up yeah so we're in the podcast room together on a late evening we both did bring something to drink what did what did you grab i just had i have coffee tonight (laughs) oh you you brought in some coffee i brought in some coffee and some water yeah so coffee for you and i have a weird thing i got creative with my drinks it's apple cider actually not with like the spices and stuff just apple cider and black cherry juice and ginger oh you put ginger in there i put ginger in there i will say your drink is way more interesting than mine coffee coffee. and water it sounds like you know i'm in a prison or something So, yes, we've got our, our beverages here and the dogs aren't bothering us yeah, right at the moment. So, so far, so we'll good. See, we'll see how that goes. So we're going to get into a discussion today about the art of critique, both how to give it, how to receive it, considerations for why you want to be doing that for yourself and for other people. But before we get into that, just a little bit of housekeeping. First, I want to shout out to Libby Mills, who bought me a handful of coffees and also left me a beautiful note saying she loves the podcast that is thoughtful, challenging, and entertaining company while in the studio. I'm so excited to hear that because that's exactly what I'm after. Working on artwork can be a very isolating experience and something like this where we're having conversations about the very things that you think about or maybe haven't thought about but are happy to be thinking about now that you feel like you have company in the room with you while you're working and I think it can keep you motivated and keep you energized and working away. So thank you so much Libby for sending that note and for the coffees. If you would like to send me a comment or give back through a donation or tell me what you want to hear that you're not hearing or anything else at all, go to thesagearts.com. There's a contact page there. You can reach out to me by email or with a little voice message button that's there or stay on the homepage and scroll halfway down to find the buy me a coffee and PayPal donation buttons. And thank you. Thank you. Thank you for giving back when you can. Okay, so let's get into our conversation for today. There's probably a lot of questions you could ask yourself in terms of the conversation we're going to have. But I think the primary one is how do you feel about critique? Do you welcome it? Do you avoid it? Also, what does or would the purpose of critique be in your artistic process, assuming you would want to take advantage of all the wonderful things it can do for you? Brett and I decided to get together on this one because both of us have had a lot of experience critiquing and being critiqued. We'll go over the pros and cons of the practice, as well as some structure for both giving and receiving critique and where you might find truly supportive critique partners. But let's first talk about what critique is. But critique is about either helping someone understand their work from your point of view so that they can take that information and improve upon or ignore it or at least have it in the back of their mind. But there's also critique that can be used for you to help you understand artwork and have you not just have a better appreciation of art and the artwork that you're exposed to, but to be able to look at your own work 
with a critical eye and to be able to help you self-critique. So we'd like to talk about all those things. I'm not exactly sure what direction it's going to go in. I made some notes. Brett made no notes. <laughs> <laughs> and so a lot of this is going to be a little organic. <laughs> be in the moment and see what comes out here. So yeah. yeah. So both Brett and I have been to art school. We both went to Long Beach State for yeah. art at the same time. Mm-hmm. And like never saw each other. <laughs> yeah, one time. Well, okay. yeah. yeah, one yeah. time. I was in the fine arts department. I was in fine arts as well. Yeah, yeah. Which is maybe not all about critiquing, but it is a constant thing that you're yeah. doing and receiving throughout your fine arts classes. And then you went to CalArts after that, yeah, which you focus more on animation. Right. And again, into critiquing, giving and receiving constantly, constantly. And then I went on for my master's in writing. And <laughs> that is also all about critiquing. It's been a nonstop thing in our lives. And then now we both ended up in jobs where we have to do this as well. I was an editor, constantly looking at people's work and evaluating it. And then in your job, Brett, as an animation director, even when you're a storyboard artist, I'm sure you did this. You Well, you received a lot <laughs> of critique as a storyboard artist. But Always as a director, that. you give a lot of critique on the work as well. Yeah, it's part of the job. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So we've had a lot of experience on both sides of being critiqued and also giving critique. The approach to critique is about having an eye to helping them or you move forward. So one of the first things I wanted to say about critiquing was that you need to realize that your critique of someone else or even yourself can be very powerful. It can stop someone in their tracks. It can literally stop someone from pursuing a creative path if they get a lot of really negative critiques. And I think that's extremely sad. I think everybody not only has the right to have a creative outlet, but is almost a necessary part of being human is to have some kind of creative outlet, something where you can put some of yourself out into the world. So keep in mind whenever you're critiquing, even when you're reviewing products or anything, just keep in mind how this is affecting the, another person. Yeah. And be nice because it's it's fragile, you know, the creative process. You the know. ego. Yeah. But it's the purpose of critique is really to help. And if you keep that mindset, then when you're giving it, it makes it a lot easier to find the right words, to find the type of commentary that is going to be helpful. I mean, it can be scary, obviously. Oh, it can be scary (laughs) from the wrong person. Yeah. Yeah, true. (laughs) I just don't want anyone to look at it as solely like I'm going to be told what's wrong, you know. And if we as a community, as artists are supporting each other, we're going to be looking at it in terms of how it does help and support. Yeah. The last thing we want to do is push people away from the creative focus. So with that in mind, maybe we should start with critique based on what we get out of it for ourselves. Both of us learned the value of critique in school and in our jobs. I personally love critique. I actually love getting criticism because every time someone tells me that something can be done better, I have the opportunity to work on that. Even though sometimes when you think you've done really well and you're like very proud of something, then someone knocks it down and it's kind of like sad <laughs> and, you, and you cry for a moment and you, you dig into the ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> but the thing is, is that if you're not getting critiqued, if you're yeah. not getting those kind of commentaries of both what, what works and what doesn't work, then you aren't in a position to improve beyond your own opinion. So let's talk about ways to look at your own work and to evaluate other people's work just for your own purposes, not to be vocalizing that critique to the actual artist. So some of the notes that we made, some of the stuff that I was finding is to one, look at a piece of artwork and describe it to yourself like you're describing it to a blind person. 
The reason you want to do that is because it will force you to look at it in a very detailed way. An objective way. Yeah. In, in a far more objective way yeah. than just, you know, oh, that's pretty or that's ugly or that's yeah, not my kind of thing. A, without opinion. So yeah. I see a boat. I see an ocean. Right. I see a blue sky. And know. like, oh, wait, there's a little person over on that Sounds hill there. like and... a very, very boring painting I just described. <laughs> <laughs> but a familiar one, yeah. So. <laughs> but it also could be really interesting depending on how they that's did true. it. You of know? course, yeah, that's true. And so if you are online and something stands out to you and you really like a piece or you really hate a piece even, I think it could be even more important to take a piece that you really don't like and go through this process. So if you stop and describe it to yourself at first, you know, like what are the details that stand out? What's significant? What do you think the artist was trying to focus on? Those kinds of things. So you go through and you describe. And then secondly, you analyze, you do try to determine what the artist did, like their use of design elements. What is their color palette? What is their use of line? Did they emphasize texture? Did they emphasize shape, forms? What size is this thing? You know, how big is it and why did they choose that? So stopping and looking at the design elements to the extent that you know and understand them can also help you appreciate what they did. And then third, an interpretation. How does it make you feel? How do you read it? What is it that you see in it? What's the story? What's the focus? What's the intention? And then an evaluation. Does the work communicate an idea, a feeling, a principle, something that would benefit you or other people? So if you can hit all those four points, you describe it, you analyze its design and visual elements. Its components, yeah. You interpret. How does it make you feel? What do you think? This is your opinion. And then evaluate and try to think, what is the value of this piece to you or other people? So I just spoke about this in terms of looking at other people's, but also remember you do this with your own work, you know? Yeah. Especially the first couple of steps, the description and analysis of your own work can really help you see things in what you're doing that you would not have seen before, you know? And it might help with your work if it's something you can put away for a little while mm -hmm. and then you can pull it out and see it in a, Objectively. Yeah, in a fresher viewpoint and then analyze it. How did you use the design elements? What is the composition? Where does the eye flow? Does it have a space to rest? Is there a focus point? Going through a checklist. In fact, I will post a checklist that I have for those folks who have followed me for a while. If you were part of the virtual art box membership, you have this checklist, but it goes through a bunch of the design elements. I use it all the time when I'm looking at something and trying to figure out what didn't work because you can know all of these design terms, but a lot of times we forget the spirit of it gets lost in the in the process. Things cannot really yeah. uh, have impact because yeah. of that. Yeah, yeah. They're back there in the back of our minds. Or, yeah, like, what's or going on? It's very instinctual for us. But when something doesn't work, it's sometimes hard to identify until you you can actually like go through a list. So I have a whole list and I will post it on Instagram and Facebook. So you can use that as an analysis, then the interpretation, which is really the, how does your own work make you feel when you see it? Yeah. Sometimes it'll just work for some reason. I just don't understand. Like, just, I, I just, just it, it just feels right. <laughs> it just, you know, that's, that's what it is. And other times um, it'll, yeah, it'll be, you know, a little more clunky or whatever. And, and that's where these steps could really help you yeah, in I a self-critique. So the idea of using this kind of critique, it can give you the opportunity to kind of change up the process through which you critique your own work. Right. Like, I think a lot of us, we do the work and then we like it or we don't like it and we set it aside or we do the work and we don't like it. So we keep messing with it. We try something else. Try something else. Try something else. Instead of stopping and really looking and analyzing what are the particulars oh, yeah. that we've done? Yeah, to really, really slow down and look at it somewhat objectively. 
see what's working and what's not by going through a deliberate process. Right. Uh, I, that is something that I could do more of, I think. Yeah. I, I, think, I bet uh, most of us could do more of yeah, that. Yeah. I mean, I, I do it with work. I do it with, you know, my professional work that I want it to be, you know, the absolute best that it can be in the time that I get to do it, you know. So it's a lot of investment there with a, a whole critiquing process, you know, while not losing the fun and the and the spirit of it. That's my always my main focus. Yeah. But with my own personal work, yeah, I could stop and consider more of a criteria that you're talking about and Take a closer slow down look. in the past. You know, I, I might be more one to just do it. And if it something's not working or it didn't feel right, I put it aside and I just do something else or something else like it or, or I do what feels good for the next thing. So you might just work through it, like keep doing it and do it until you find the right way. But do you know why you went from this first thing that wasn't so good till you got something that you liked? I mean, do you learn from, I mean, we always learn from doing the process, right? But would would you learn in any concrete way that you could like take that information to the next thing that you do and be like, yeah. okay, I've got to remember I have a tendency to not pay attention to my color combinations or really try to compliment them or I tend not to look at the values in my piece. So you're saying that's what I do? Is that what you're giving yeah, me a critique absolutely. right now? <laughs> so you've been waiting for this moment. I've been waiting to talk to you this about is, your values there. <laughs> and you sprung it on me now. Yeah. You didn't crush me, so that no. part's good. No, no, no. But you can do something over and over again until you get it right. And that works. And I think a lot of us do do that. But if you do it and then you can look at the work with a critical eye, with this kind of considerate criticism of yourself, that you have the opportunity to identify what didn't work and what does work and what to keep and what not to keep. And then you mentally would have, I would think, that in your mind the next time you go to do something similar. Making those conscious choices. Yeah. You know, along with going with the flow and letting go at the same time. So, you know, you do one part of the process, which is just pour it all out. And then the next part, go through this self-criticism sort of moment and then redo it with those things in mind or go back into the same piece and contribute those things. Or maybe if you start doing it enough, it comes a little more unconsciously. Well, yeah. And that's the thing about doing things over and over again. You do want to do things over and over again because you will learn them intuitively what you should or should not be doing. But sometimes if we can step back and look at something critically, we'll have a more concrete idea of what we should do or not do until it becomes automatic and then you won't have to think about it, it anymore. And it takes time. And that's where the practice and the commitment of doing things over and over and over and over. You know, when I got to college, that's when I started really learning about design right. You know, and all these things you're talking about, this list of things. I had learned about them before, but I it was like I didn't drink the water. <laughs> you know? I was like, I don't know. I just want to draw and I just want to express myself. That was what my drive was. So yeah, when I got to college, I had this great design teacher and he taught these basics of design that it felt like brand new to me. And it, to a degree, it probably was. When we're in a learning process, certain things don't get in until someone says it just right or you're ready to hear it. Really what it is, it's like you see the value in it. Like once I saw the value in what my design teacher was teaching, mm-hmm. it just blew me away. I was driving in the car and looking at everything completely different. Yeah. is that great? Yeah. That was, I remember driving in through the mountains and just looking how, you know, the telephone poles were leading me on eye to the, you know, Horizon to the, point. I mean, everyone notices yeah. that as a kid, but now I understood like that concept is everywhere. Yeah. How it, the way a leaf is designed, it's leading your eye, kind of put me in awe of nature. But the fact that I could have a, a list of criteria to recreate that consciously yeah. was just like, 
<laughs> my, I blew, it blew my mind and I actually had a little hard time working because yeah. I was so conscious of it for a little right, while. Yeah. I kept doing and redoing and doing and redoing and nothing was ever, you know, good enough. I was just learning this new skill yeah. in a way. I was a very intuitive artist. It's not that my stuff was bad, but I look at it now and I think, well, true like that? Like I wasn't conscious of so many things. Sure. Yeah. I applied to the Long Beach State newspaper as a cartoonist. They assigned me something. They wanted some like beach theme because it's a Long Beach state, you know, in California. I did something with the ocean and palm trees and the sun, thinking that she was going to be really excited by what I did, you yeah. know, because I was really excited. I was like, look, I didn't apply any design ethic or any graphic idea to it. Uh, she gave me, you know, just the way she said it, it just really hit me and it it made me feel really bad. So about she gave myself. you a rather negative. Yeah, it was. <laughs> Yeah, and I, I wish I could remember because I, you know, it's one of those things you've, yeah, you remember for a while, but then you learn to block it. You remember, out. <laughs> you remember the emotion because it hurt. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I, I remember getting very upset and very emotional. Yeah, you know? yeah, uh, yeah. It woke me up to a lot that I didn't know, mm -hmm. but I really wanted to know whatever it was I wasn't doing. It took some time to get there, though. Sure, <laughs> like sure. I, I think I. I said, well, I'm never going to go to a newspaper again and apply for anything. <laughs> you know, that, that part is done. I'm just going to go to TV. <laughs> I, I, yeah, yeah. I decided that's to go to TV. Been, that's yeah. where you ended that's, up in, yeah. That's where, the, uh, that's where it worked somehow. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, so, yeah, it can be super hard yeah. to take critique, especially when you had no idea that the work was unaccomplished I took as it, in, it was. I took it incredibly personal yeah. because it was me that did that. Yeah. But the skills were a very undeveloped part of me at the time. And I came around when I got to art school, specifically the animation school. That's when I really paid attention. And I would talk to people about it. I remember I was talking to one person and they <laughs> I'm said... i out about design. <laughs> she said, oh, you've, you know, she was a student too. She says, yeah, you've definitely had... Your first year of design class with uh, Bob, Bob Winquist, and just a really positive guy. Talk about giving critique. He had a great approach. He would have everyone put it up and he would definitely find the positive things yeah. about it. His catchphrase was wonderful. <laughs> wonderful. He was full of encouragement, yeah. you know, and it made us all feel that the reason we were there in the first place is there was, you know, I guess talent there that, you know, someone was passionate about something or they just wanted our money. One of the two. Right? <laughs> he encouraged that spirit. And I really responded to that well. Yeah. And he told us about the last guy who ran the department, the last design teacher, uh -huh. would literally tear stuff off the wall if it didn't work. He would light it on fire if it oh, didn't geez. work. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. These are the things not to do? <laughs> These are the, yeah. And this is old school. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, like, wake up, snap out of it. But it was so brutal. It's like in the army, they tear you all the way down to build you back up. And, you know... That has worked on people. Well, it's not completely. It does make invalid. an impression. It's you not know? that it does make an impression. Yeah. And those people probably who had their pieces burned probably never forgot whatever lesson he was trying to teach them. Yeah. But it's such a dangerous position to put somebody in because you don't know if they're ever going to come back from that. But you know, sometimes with Bob, everything was wonderful. So if everything was wonderful, like, well, how good can it be? You wanted some evaluation. But well, when you say something like wonderful and you say it all the time, it loses its meaning. It doesn't give the person any information. It's great to be encouraging, you well, know, obviously. Here, well, here's the thing. I, I went off and did my first animation job and uh, came back the next year to visit Bob. And I told him how I hated it and I had to do in-betweening and it just wasn't who I was and, you know. And he goes, that's wonderful. <laughs> and, it, and you're like, ah. Uh. It was perfect. It was, he was like, that's wonderful. You're having that experience. 
And I see, I understand now, but the, of course, the experience wasn't pleasant, but right. it was valuable to me. And it was also giving me skills and yeah. have, have an understanding of, you know, all the layers of animation specifically. And I'm really passionate about that. So I think one of the cool things about what you were saying, you learned things in school and suddenly you saw things differently. And I think critiquing can do that as well. Now, obviously, you learn something new and you're like, oh, wow. And you can learn through books. You can learn through classes. You can learn through podcasts. You can learn through whatever, you know. But self-teaching can be really dramatic. And learning to critique what you do, the work that you're making, is one of those things that has really dramatic potential for you to see something that you hadn't seen before. But yeah, the idea of learning to critique yourself or other people's work is really a way of honing your eye. And hopefully things that will become automatic, like realizing that it's out of balance because I put too many heavy, dark, big objects on one side. And now you start thinking, I need to not put all these big, dark, heavy objects on one side. Yeah, undo, undo, undo. undo. <laughs> Luckily, we, get, we have those options in many of our mediums. But now that little piece of knowledge is in your brain. And hopefully you will never look at a piece and be okay with things unbalanced in that way again. But if you did not look critically at your work and recognize that, you would not have had that knowledge as soon as you did because you stopped to evaluate right. your work yeah, and what sense. you were doing, right? I think specificity in critique is is also very important. Yeah, those were the kinds of critiques we got from Bob. He would go to the things that he loved and say, oh, look, at this is wonderful how this is leading my eye right to this circle. This circle is the focal point and everything else is directed mm -hmm. right towards it. And, yeah. and then, oh, and then look at this variation of shape, variation of size. And he would go off about this stuff and it brought it more to all of our attention when he pointed it out instead of tearing something down. Right. Well, and that really gives you another tool for improving what you do. Not just knowing what not to do, but what also works. That way, you know, you're heading in the right direction yeah. and you learn from others when you hear these critiques. Yeah, well, learning how to critique will not only help find what you can improve in your work, find what does work, that kind of thing, but it helps you look at other people's work and go beyond just the visceral reaction as to whether you like it or not. Stopping and thinking about some of the design elements and what their intention was or wondering what the story is behind the work means that you get to spend more time with a piece of art. Think about how much time you put into a piece of artwork and how much you hope that people will see the efforts that's gone into it, right? Yeah. I think a whole other level of appreciation yeah. will occur for us when we're on social media. I mean, I'm speaking kind of from my experience, but some of the conversations that I had made me think that most people get on there as artists. We're looking for ideas and we're looking for inspiration, which is fantastic. Yeah. But if you spend a little bit more time with things, it's going to go beyond the basic reaction of, oh, I really like those colors. Oh, I see what they're doing there. They're, they're doing this, this, this right. and that. And you're like, you know, using that part of your mind that is assessing. Yeah. And you could, I think you could learn a lot from yeah. that, that you can then take to the studio and, and apply to your understanding of your own work. So there's, I think there's definitely a lot to be said for taking the time to critique other people's work, yeah. critique your work. If you really want to put this into practice, just make it a point of every time you get online that you pick at least one piece and to and stop on and to stop and, and really evaluate. That's why going to a gallery, an art gallery mm -hmm. or a museum is so valuable because you, oh, yeah, that's absolutely. why there's a bench there. You can sit and stare at this huge painting, you know, you really do a study in. of, yeah, take it in, think about 
what what effect it has on yeah. you and why it works and the colors to the design to every last bit. And when something's really, really amazing and great to me, you don't even notice those things because they all just are there. But what you're noticing is, is whatever I, I would think the intention of it is yeah. or the power of it is. And I think that's an important part of critique is to say, what is the wholesale reaction that I have to this? Does it make me feel happy, sad, energetic, inspired? And I think that's a legitimate and important part of a critique. It's, you know, as an artist, you want people to be affected, to feel something, to react to something. And to be able to look at the image as a whole. And as the artist intended, the artist didn't intend for you to sit there and go, how does my line work and stuff? But we're artists or we're creative people who have an opportunity to learn something that will help us in our own work. So definitely the way you look at it for how would somebody, anybody look at this and see and react to it. That's a really, really important thing. The idea is, is that you look at it for its potential to elicit a reaction of some sort and determining what that reaction might be in a general sense is something helpful for an artist if you're trying to give them information. But if you're just looking at it for your own appreciation, then it's about you and it's about how you react to it. And that was that part of the four items for critiquing for your own personal understanding, the interpretation, the third item, how does it make you feel? How do you read it? Uh, I see. They're all really valid parts for critiquing for your own growth as an artist Mm. and as just a person who appreciates art. When you are able to discuss art with another artist, if you want to assist them in finding more opportunities for improvement in their artwork, and they've asked for it. And I think that's an important thing to remember is that giving people critique for something that they haven't asked for is a problematic area. Yeah, it's dangerous. (laughs) To say the least. Of course. We often notice the problems first. Our brains are geared to finding out what's wrong because we need to know if there's going to be danger, there's going to be a problem or we look for that. Well, also that's part of design, right? You take, you know, five circles and they're all the same size except for one. And one is really small. You notice the one. one. I think the important point of that, when you critique something, there are things that work and things that don't work. Even if our eye immediately goes to the thing that doesn't work and that's the thing we most want to tell them about, you need to tell them what works and what doesn't work. Right. And there's something called a critique sandwich. So the idea is, is that if you're going to offer somebody some information, you tell them something positive about it and then you can offer them the areas for improvement. And then you end up with another positive. So the way I prefer to do it is to acknowledge what works first. Like, oh, your piece is really inspiring. I love the colors. There's lots of movement in it. However, I think there's a little imbalance or the way these lines are used are a little too strong. And then you've given them the areas for improvement. And then you come back and you tell them what the value of the work is. Like, regardless, I see a lot of passion that comes out in the way you've rendered this particular subject. So it's acknowledging what works, suggesting opportunities for improvement, and then acknowledging the value of the work. They have the information they need to improve it, but at the same time, they, one, know what is working and two, feel that the effort that they've put into it has given some value to the to viewer and has some level of success. Even if it's uninformed. Yeah. Like it's a, if it's like, I don't know how else to say it, but like if it's a baby talking, you know, they can't enunciate, they don't know words yet, you know, <laughs> they like can't, me. They can't. Yeah. You know, the way <laughs> I talk. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> can't enunciate. Um, but in, in time they grow that yeah. and then just, it's learning a visual language. 
even if they don't have all the parts they need for it, they spent the time to make it. Right. They They're, wanted to do it. They wanted yeah. to do it. And there was a courage in not just doing it. You know, every time you sit down to make something, you risk failure. So congrats every single time you sit down to make something. You're being courageous to do that. But there's even more courage in putting something out there where someone else can look at it and judge it. That's a scary thing. So if they put that out there where you can give them commentary, you've got to give them kudos just for having the courage to put that forth. So there's a number of points that we made notes on in terms of insights that I think were really important. For instance, be attentive. When you are going to critique and give someone insights, you want to put the time in. So instead of looking at something for three seconds and then just rattling off a bunch of stuff. This stuff takes time to really assess. You want to be fair yeah. in giving the work the time. And then also don't use lazy words. <laughs> oh, <laughs> it's great. It's great. It's interesting. <laughs> yeah, it's wonderful. It's wonderful. Yeah. Yeah, wonderful is colorful. So I thought least, it was funny you know. that you brought up that story after we had researched this stuff. But sometimes you use those kinds of words because it's a lead in mm -hmm. to what you need to say. Like, this is wonderful. This is really interesting. But at some point you need to get specific. Yeah. If all your critiques are, this is really good. I love it so much. And it feels good to hear that. But if that's all the person's hearing, they're not learning anything. We're like, oh, my God, this is so good. <laughs> oh. <laughs> right. <laughs> Not that I hear that a lot, but I'm just saying <laughs> that's like the attitude of like when someone fawns over, over work, you know, it's, it's like, but why is it good? Like when I look at someone's work, who's really good, it takes me time to figure out if there's anything I can offer it because everything is working. Because they've done such a wonderful, subtle it's, job, which is. Yep. You're, you're bringing the whole image together with all the use of the design principles we're talking about. Yeah. So, yeah, you can use lazy words to lead into like, thank you for showing me your work. It's really interesting. I'm really loving this. It's beautiful, whatever. Yeah. And get like the, your use of line is really dramatic. That works so well for this particular subject. Da, 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 da. Point yeah. out the specifics in the design elements or even if you if all you have to offer is your reaction to it, then it could be. I really love the use of color. I really love the size. I love how you treated the edges. The Things that work, they can yeah. kind of root the ideas of what they can take from that to their next project. Yeah, absolutely. And then another thing was be generous. Try to understand why the person made it. And like we we're saying earlier, recognize the courage for them putting it forward. But think in terms of not judging their level of talent and their level of skill, but recognizing that they're a human being putting themselves out into the world in a creative form and that it takes work, time, knowledge. There's so many things that go into making something good that if it's not all there, that's fine. They're doing the work. Well, there's that. And you got to respect the fact that everyone is on a journey and you can't judge them because they are... One person's at the beginning, at the one beginning, person's, and one in, person's the in the middle, at the end. Yeah. And some people are really ahead of the game. They have a, just a natural yeah. thing. But sometimes those people actually kind of stay the same because they there's nothing to push them it's any successful farther, at the beginning they just oh, yeah. why do anymore yeah so just be generous to that person in terms of where they're coming from how much experience they've had if you know or just think they're a human being trying to do something that does take courage and, and we should be kind in what we say regardless yeah. Yeah. and then another thing that came up a lot was trying to find your point of connection in the work so your initial connection is your initial reaction you liked it. You didn't like it. It's beautiful. It's ugly. It, it's really dramatic. It tells me a story right off the bat, whatever. And you have those initial thoughts. 
But what is your personal connection to the piece? Do you see particular messages or images that really say something to you? Do the color combinations really speak to you? Anything that this person is doing, is there some kind of personal connection that you can talk about that will let the artist know that you feel connected to the piece? Because I think that's a real boost when someone says, I feel connected or, oh, I love dragons and this particular dragon I just think is so wonderfully rendered. I feel like I can be transported into another time and place. Fantasy realm or something, yeah. Whatever it is. So any kind of commentary that makes the artist know they made a connection for you through their work would be really, really helpful for them to understand their market and their audience. That will also probably help you in terms of cushioning any kind of criticism that you do have because you'll empathize more. Also, decide whether you think the work is successful or not. Like, did they succeed in the intention for this piece? Is there a clear story? Do you feel that there's something to root your thoughts in or sink your teeth into or whatever metaphor you want to use? If it feels muddy, if you feel like you're not sure what direction it's going in, or there just seems to be a lot of questions about what's going on in the piece, then that might be a point for which you can offer a critique. Another thing that you can ask also, did the artist use their tools and their techniques well? Yeah. So this is technical. Like, did they look like they've mastered their medium to the extent that they need to for what they're trying to do? We don't need to judge whether their skill level is the level of masters in that medium. Even if they're not skilled with the material, they only need to master it to the extent that they need to have control over it to say what they need to say. And I'm thinking in particular about like naive artists. The whole genre of naive art was based on people who were never educated in art. Mm. And they used the mediums in ways that were often almost childish. But they got to say what they needed to say. They were able to paint the scenery outside their door, the town that they lived in, the children that they had. And they used the medium to the best ability that they had. But they only needed to know so much about it in order to represent these things in a real powerful and emotive way. Uh, I see. Yeah. I think there's a value in that. Yeah. Yeah, And so even though this comment about the technical aspects being part of what you want to judge and, and you do, you do need to look at what it is they were trying to accomplish and how much skill level they need to have in order to accomplish what they were trying to do. Did it work or didn't it work? Yeah, it didn't, yeah. didn't Did it work it or not. Yeah. yeah, did they use it well for their intention? And then there was also some comments about judging whether the art was original, did they imitate others, that kind of thing. And although I think that is something that can be brought up if that is concern of the artist, I think it's a little bit of a dangerous area to walk into to say, oh, this looks like somebody else's. Because I think if we push everybody to look like something that's never been seen before, we're just going to be doing the, yeah. the craziest, most unauthentic stuff. Just trying to be different. Yeah. And I already think that's a problem. Yeah. Well said. I agree. It's just being different for the sake of being different because you have to be original if you're yourself and you, we all have influences and we shouldn't imitate somebody, but if there are influences in our work from someone who we have admired and it just gets in there just sort of subconsciously or even I guess consciously and we do something with it. We take it farther. We make it our own. That's totally valid. The particulars of this kind of judgment is that you can say something looks like somebody else's, but then there's a gray area there. At what point are they not imitating anymore, but they've made it their own? You know, over the years, especially working on the magazines and the blogs, I got comments all the time about, oh, this looks like somebody else's work. Why are you posting it without giving them credit? Da, da, da. 
I remember this one piece, someone made a brooch that was basically a donut, very organically round, very kind of wobbly. And then there was different patches of polymer, different colors and different textures around the outside. Now, this had been done over and over again by various other artists, but the person who wrote me had only ever seen it done by one other artist. So they thought this person was imitating that person because they used that particular shape. Now, they may very well have seen that work by that artist, took that particular shape, and they went and did something very similar. But to me, I look at it, I'm like, the type of textures, the, the surface design were so completely different than this other person's. Just because they made donut shapes yeah. doesn't mean that they were imitating. I think they made it their own. Yeah. And so I think if you're going to try to critique somebody on whether it's original or whether it imitates, it's a, it's a muddy area. And I think it's an area that you have to be really careful. If you're not really well-versed on the type of work that you're saying is being imitated, then I think it's probably not going to be super helpful. Yeah. So just yeah. be careful if you're saying, oh, that looks like somebody else's. I would never want to push somebody from doing something that is their authentic mode of expression by saying it looks like somebody else's. You can't do that. Yeah. I mean, if something is really original and and someone's imitating it, it's really clear. Like I think of the artist Ivan Durrell. You see his work and it's unmistakable once you know his work that it's his. his style. So if someone went and started doing it pretty much exactly like that, I'd be like, well, you're imitating Ivan Durrell. Yeah. How are you going to evolve it? I mean, you shouldn't just ape someone's style and... No, well, here's the thing. Because there's no spirit behind it. Exactly. Because Ivan Earl drew with spirit. It's the spirit behind it. So someone can try to imitate somebody else, but if it's not their authentic voice, it's not their spirit behind it, they're not going to have that passion and drive to create something that is of themselves. They're not listening to the right part of themselves. They're doing something outside of themselves and imitating it to look like they are creating something of value because someone else does it so well. But if you go on the journey yourself and learn how to self-critique, like we were talking about, contact what motivates you and how it's going to come through you. That's where you find your original way of evolving. Well, that's the thing is like, if you imitate somebody else and you try to just make what they're making, you've not gone through the process of exploration, the process of trial and error, the failing. Yeah. The understanding. Through which you learn things. Yeah that you will never be able to continue to make the kind of wonderful work that they're making because that authentic spirit isn't there. Yeah. And it shows, you know, it's obvious. I think the other area we really need to look at is not just how to give critique, but how to receive it. So how do you respond to critique? Very poorly, very bad, (laughs) always. It's the worst thing ever. No, I'm kidding. But I think that's also a skill that it is to learn you know seriousness it is i mean to be honest i had a very hard time with positive critique for a long time you really i didn't know how to take it when people would tell me how wonderful my stuff was or something it's not like i hadn't had those experiences before i've had a lot of success both in art and writing since i was a very small child yeah (laughs) but i had a hard time accepting the positive for some reason it was easier for me to accept the negative you didn't feel good about your work, maybe, and you expected to hear negative things. I think part of me doesn't believe it when someone says your work is really wonderful because I have that self-critic constantly. And also I was a very socially awkward person for most of my life. <laughs> and it was just hard when someone gives you a positive comment to take it graciously. So if people are saying your work is wonderful, we love what you do, and it's a sincere comment, then it's a Thank you so much. I really appreciate you letting me know. I appreciate the acknowledgement. 
just very simple answers. Now, if somebody gives you a negative critique, that is where most people struggle. If somebody gives you a negative critique, says this doesn't work, and you didn't know that, it can be very hard because it feels very personal. We talked about that a little bit earlier. Yeah. That if someone looks at your piece and says it's not working, it feels like they're telling you you're not working. Right. Because it's you. You feel like this is me literally putting myself out there, my heart, my soul, whatnot, my my sweat, my tears. With all of its limitations and... And everything. Yeah. And for someone to tell you it doesn't work, that it needs improvement can be a really hard thing to do. But the thing to remember is that every time someone tells you something about your work, it's an opportunity to find points of improvement for you to see your work in a different way. Now, one thing to remember is that no matter what anyone says, you don't have to take their criticism at face value. If they give you a comment that you just don't believe is true, then ignore it. You're going to make a judgment call on the information that you receive as to whether it's useful for you or not. Some people might give you information that is beyond the point of what you're trying to do, that they like, you'll never be able to sell this at these particular markets. It's like, well, I don't want to sell to those particular markets. You know, you'll never be able to get the general public to be on board with this kind of work. Well, I'm not painting this for the general public or I'm not sculpting this for the general public. So anything that you're given in terms of criticism, it's your judgment call, even the good stuff. Maybe you don't believe when someone says, you know, I love the colors. And you're like, these colors are really horrible. (laughs) You can ignore those kind of comments too. But it's really important in terms of what may be deemed as constructive criticism, but you'll feel as negative criticism. It's really important that you take the suggestions for improvement as opportunities and to only take the ones that are useful for you for what you're trying to do. And so if someone is giving you these kinds of comments that even if they hurt, go ahead and eat the chocolate and the ice cream and cry into the pillow for a few (laughs) and get past it (laughs) because you're being given a gift. You will never be able to find the things in your work that other people find. Well, with a caveat of who it comes from, right? If it comes from someone who doesn't understand what they're saying and they're saying it for maybe a more emotional reason, then maybe you wouldn't take that as profoundly. But that's where you make the judgment as to whether the critique that you're getting, the criticism that you're getting is worth you taking to heart or not. Yeah. So if it is coming from somebody who is just ill-informed, like the example of somebody saying it would not work for the general public. Well, then that person is totally ignoring what your intention is. Like if you're making fantasy-esque paintings or fantasy-esque sculptures or whatnot, of course you're not going to take it to an art show that's for more contemporary work. But if somebody judges it based on what they're looking for at a contemporary show, they are completely missing the mark as to what you're trying to do and who your audience is. And so you can totally just set aside, ignore, trash those thoughts. Just toss those comments. Burn them. Burn them. Yeah, you can you can set those aside. So but that's part of what you're doing. It's as much an excavation as it is a building of your opportunities, you know. So just remember that people are going to give you their opinions. They're just opinions. This is art. And if they don't like your work, if you're doing something that's sincere and authentic, then there's a good chance that the person who doesn't like your work is someone who's not the audience that you are trying for. It is hard when anyone says, I don't like your work or I don't like this aspect of your work or I don't think it's good enough, especially if it's from someone that you look up to or that you need accolades from because they run a show or they are going to give you a job or whatnot. 
But yeah, those different views are going to allow you to see how your intended audience might see your work. And it's going to open up all kinds of wonderful ideas. Um, It really is. So if you can get past the personal kind of like bruise to your ego, that negative or lukewarm criticism can often have. And if you want it from a specific person, because you were saying because of a job or whatever, it could be that you are barking up the wrong tree and you should be looking for another venue or audience or I don't know, maybe you're doing something naturally that's speaking to you, but it's being directed towards the wrong place. The people who are seeing it may not be the right people that you need to see it. So that dovetails into the last part of the conversation was, is where do you get critique from? You should be a little cautious about who you get critique from. You want to have trusted friends and fellow artists that can help you look at your work in a new way. But there's a danger with friends and family because they all want to tell you how wonderful you are, right? (laughs) (laughs) If they're supportive, but find some trusted people that you can ask for help. I think your best source is fellow artists, people who work in the same medium as you, people who have a similar audience to you. So I worked in Polymer at the beginning, primarily selling to the science fiction and fantasy convention scene because it was something that I was attached to and and was easy for me to get into and, and to sell. I could sell a lot in that scene. And so there was a number of artists in the circuit that I was in that really did want to get more information about their work. The advantage was is that we could talk about our work in terms of selling to that particular audience and be very specific about what we thought worked and what we thought wouldn't work, which was super helpful for the potential sales. But it also just gave us a certain camaraderie and that we knew what each of us was going through, the hurdles that we had, what we were up against in terms of the competition in sales, and we were able to really support each other. So we would get together about once a month bring our latest work, especially the ones that we seem to be having problems either creating or selling and get the information from people who are going through our same experiences. That's great. So if you have the opportunity to do that, sometimes you can find local groups. Yeah, seek it out. Find meetup groups, co-ops, go to galleries, talk to people, start networking. There's Facebook groups and various associations with people who are doing the same thing that you're doing for the same audiences. And if you can get a group of those people together, that would be ideal. And if that's not something that you can do, either because it's just not available to you where you're at or you're a little bit more introverted than is comfortable for you to go out and network like that, just find some people who are also creatives that will understand what you need from a critique. And they want to share and talk. And not all artists want to do that. Right. Some just want to be left alone. But you want to find people that will be supportive of what you're doing. Supportive. And that's, that's the main thing, that they'll be supportive and understand that their primary thing is going to be looking to help you become a better artist and define your work uh, more fulfilling and fulfill that version of success that you've determined for yourself. Right. Yeah. Yeah. OK, so I think that kind of covers all the basis of the things that we wanted to talk about. So. If you have any thoughts about critique, if you have any experiences, if you don't agree with some of the things that we've said, I would love to hear from you. You can send your comments and your criticism <laughs> and your questions. Oh, it'll, it'll be criticisms. Uh, uh, well, <laughs> there just might be. You can send those to me via my website at www.thesagearts.com. Go to the contact page and use the email form, or you can also hit that little red button and leave me a voicemail. You can also join me online on social media, on Instagram or Facebook. Both of them, the pages are the Sage Arts Podcast, where I will list, again, the design lists that I promised you. 
And as mentioned earlier, if you're enjoying these episodes and find value in what I'm doing here, consider giving back. You can do that by going to the sagearts.com website. We're halfway down the homepage. You'll find the buy me a coffee and PayPal donation buttons. So I was going to have Brett say goodbye, (laughs) but he left. (laughs) So Brett says goodbye. And thank you for listening to our silliness. I hope you feel more encouraged about critique and will look for it more often than maybe you did before, because all that is truly a way to feed your muse. So do that. Be true to your weirdness and join me again next week on the Sage Arts Podcast.